0: Hi, everybody. My name is Carol and I want to welcome you out to Bethel today. We're so glad that you're here. Today, as we celebrate We Are Family, I am so grateful to be a part of a church that celebrates the values of devotion, diversity, and discipleship. We've been talking for weeks now about injustice, unity, and God's heart for all people. I hope you've been able to talk more in your homes and in your life group about these very important topics. Today, I wanna continue the conversation about God's heart for women, which is probably half of you listening to me right now. I thank God for Pastor James and his heart to see women reach their full potential and thank him for the opportunity to speak today. We all have or have had mothers, but we've also maybe had a sister, a relative, a coworker, a friend who's a woman. How do we encourage them? I hope my words today will give you a a source of encouragement to help those that are women in your life. I'm so thankful now, as I have two sons that are married, that now I have two strong, beautiful daughters, as you can see on the picture. The one standing next to me is Liz. She's an esthetician and has her own business in Brooklyn. And then also my daughter now, Sanjeet, who's a doctor also in New York. So let's pray as we talk about God's heart for women. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to celebrate all of your creation, but especially today, your female image bearers. God, let my words be a source of hope and encouragement to all who would hear, in Jesus' name, amen. I would like to title this message, The Power of One Voice. And before we get into the word today, I want to take a moment to pause and celebrate a very special time in history for women in the U.S. It was 100 years ago this month, on August 26, 1920, that the 19th Amendment was ratified in the U.S. securing the vote for women. You might not know that Nashville had a huge role in this coming about. But before I explain how, I want to paint a picture of what life was like in 1920 and see if you see any similarities to today. The US recently came out of World War I, the Great War. The Spanish flu, the most severe pandemic in recent history, had just taken place in 1918 and 1920. It was estimated that it infected one-third of the world's population 500 million people, with approximately 50 million deaths worldwide. It was a presidential election year. The Republican, Warren Harding, was running against James Cox, the Democrat. Harding's campaign was, after this war, let's get back to normalcy and quote, America first. For 70-plus years, men and women had been seeking to get voting privileges for women starting with the Seneca Falls Convention in 1848. At that time in 1848, if you were a married woman, you could not sign a contract. If you had a job, your pay went to your husband. You couldn't go to a public university. You could not be on a jury. You could not testify in court. You could not be a judge. If you were divorced, your children automatically went to the husband, no matter his character. This convention was convened to discuss social, civil, and religious rights for women. There were over 300 men and women there assembled. Elizabeth Cady Stanton had written what she called the Declaration of Sentiments, modeled after the Declaration of Independence, to talk about these rights for women. There was one that was pretty controversial, and that was talking about women getting the right to vote. But there was one African American who attended this convention. His name was Frederick Douglass. He stood up, and he used his voice, and he encouraged these women, if you want to see these rights come about for you, then you must fight for the right to vote. His voice inspired them to continue forward, and for 70-plus years, they had fought to bring this right to women in the United States. So now, back to 1920, there were some states that had given women voting privileges, though mostly limited. Only a federal amendment would give all women the right to vote. In June 1919, the US Congress had passed the 19th Amendment, giving women the right to vote. Now, it would have to be ratified by 36 of the 48 states at that time. And as you can see here, the map shows which states had ratified. By summer 1920, 35 states had ratified, 8 had rejected, 3 refused to consider, that left North Carolina and Tennessee. North Carolina decided to defer until 1921, so now we're down to Tennessee. People came from all over to try to sway people to vote either for or anti-suffrage. Most of this activity took place in the Hermitage Hotel in downtown Nashville. It was named the War of the Roses. If you wore a red rose, it meant you were an anti-suffrage. This was some of their thinking, that a woman voting would destroy the home and society, that it will cheapen women and draw them into the mire of politics. The railroad industry, the liquor industry, and manufacturers did not want women to get the right to vote. They might want to change child labor laws, bring better working conditions. And as you can see, it's the southern states that were opposed mostly to suffrage, and it had more to do than just with women voting. It had not been long since the Civil War, just over 50 years, and their thinking was that they don't want the federal government telling them what to do. And if women got the right to vote, that meant black women would also get the right to vote. They had already put in place things like Jim Crow laws trying to prohibit black men from exercising their rights to given to them in the 15th amendment. They did not want black women to vote. On the other hand, if you wore a yellow rose, it meant that you believed in voting rights for women. That it was the right of citizenship to be able to exercise the vote. That women had no representation in the halls of legislation that we had just got done fighting in a world war for democracy, but we did not have it at home. That educated, involved women could not vote, whereas a hired hand or an uh, illiterate man could go and vote simply because he was a man. So now it's down to voting day. Governor Roberts of Tennessee had to call a special session of legislation in Tennessee to, in August for our state to decide whether to go for votes of women or not. It passed to the this, this Tennessee Senate, which now left the, the House of Representatives. On the voting day, August 18, the men came in and one by one gave their vote. I want to highlight two men that made a difference this day. Number one, as you see here, Harry T. Byrne. He was 24 years old. He was the youngest legislator. He came in with a red rose on because that was the wish of his constituents. But he also received that morning a letter from his mother, a college educated, read several newspapers a day. She encouraged him, be a good boy and vote for the suffrages. And so when his name came, his vote was I vote after vote, and it came down to a tie, 48 to 48. There was one other man, his name was Banks Turner. When his name was called, he was silent. But at the end, when it was a tie, which meant it would be defeated, he spoke up and with his voice said, Mr. Speaker, I wish to be counted as I that passed, that ratified the amendment to the Constitution and empowered over 20 million women in America and gave them the right to vote. Our voice is important. Whether we're young or uh, whatever age, we never know the, the power of our vote. Now I must add on that sadly, this was mostly a reality for white women It would take years before Native American, Asian American, African American women would see this as their reality. But it's amazing what uh, the story behind the vote for Nashville. But now we want to turn to the Bible. And we also want to look at some women in the Bible who had used their voices that brought lasting change. And these are the daughters of Zelophehad in the book of Numbers. But first of all, a backdrop to the story. We want to go back to Genesis. And we, want, we see that God created male and female in his image. Genesis 1:26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the, over the birds in the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth so god created mankind in his own image in the image of god he created them male and female he created them and god blessed them and god said to them be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. We see that it was Adam and Eve together that God blessed and sent to say, be fruitful and multiply. It was when they came together, a male image bearer of God, female image bearer of God, that they had the mandate now to go in the whole world to bring order out of chaos, to bring beauty, to bring culture, to bring family, to bring community, to work together, to bring the best out of one another, to see that the, the unique way that God had made them was to make a difference in the whole world, to bring this beauty of God to the whole world. But unfortunately, we know the story. Sin came in the world. And this plan of men and women ruling together had long been forgotten. But God was still working. His plan of redemption was unfolding to set aside a people for himself, beginning with Abraham and seeing the fulfillment in Christ. God made a covenant with Abraham to give him descendants, land, a relationship with him, and to be a blessing to the nations. Picking up now in the book of Numbers, the book of Numbers is the account of the people of Israel preparing to go into the promised land. There are two censuses taken. The first one is to count how many fighting men there are between the ages of 20 to 60. There were 603, 550 counted. So we see here that God was faithful. Along with this man, there were over 2 million people that had come out of Egypt, beginning with 70 with Jacob. God was faithful to his promise. And now they have this great army to fight and they're poised to enter into the promised land. The second census is taken to show how many people are in each of the 12 tribes so that they would get a proportionate size of land for the people in their tribe. And so you can see here that um, the, the land allocation for the different tribes. It is in this second census that our story picks up. We're going to go to the book of Numbers, chapter 27, verses 1 through 11. Then drew near the daughters of Zelophehad, the son of Hefer, son of Gilead, son of Macher, son of Manasseh, from the clans of Manasseh, the son of Joseph. The names of his daughters were Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milcah, and Tirzah. And they stood before Moses and before Eleazar the priest and before the chiefs and all the congregation at the entrance of the tent of meeting, saying, Our father died in the wilderness. He was not among the company of those who gathered themselves together against the Lord in the company of Korah, but died for his own sin, and he had no sons." Why should the name of our father be taken away from his clan because he had no son? Give to us a possession among our father's brothers. Moses brought their case before the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, the daughters of Zelophehad are right. You shall give them a possession of an inheritance among their father's brothers and transfer the inheritance of their father to them. And you shall speak to the people of Israel saying if a man dies and has no son then you shall transfer his inheritance to his daughter. And if he has no daughter then you shall give his inheritance to his brothers. And as he has no brothers then you shall give his inheritance to his father's brothers. And if his father has no brothers then you shall give his inheritance to the nearest kinsman of his clan and he shall possess it. And it shall be for the people of Israel, a statute and a rule as the Lord commanded Moses. There's a couple of interesting observations here that every time these five daughters are mentioned in scripture, their names are mentioned. And I find it interesting that God would use a seemingly obscure book of the Bible to take a pause and reveal a glimpse of his heart toward women. Three things I'd like to say about these five women. Number one, they knew who they were. They were daughters. Here's what they didn't do. Bemoan the fact they were women, stay silent, wish they were sons. No, instead they drew near and they stood before Moses. And later they did the same thing with Joshua and they made their request. Number two, they spoke up. It shows courage humility and that they cared for their family and wanted to make sure their father was represented in the land distribution. Can you imagine as a woman in those days standing before Moses? What courage that must have taken. It also shows faith that they believe God is gonna give Israel the promised land. Number three, they made a difference. This request for land for a woman was unprecedented. Israel is a very patriarchal society. All inheritance went to the male population. And we see Moses earlier in Exodus uh, Exodus 18, when the people of Israel came out of Egypt, Day after day, he sat with people and they brought him their case and he made judgments and he helped them work through disputes. And then finally, as Father Jethro said, Moses, you're wearing yourself out. You need to get some help here. Let other people take the smaller cases and you take the bigger cases. So you can imagine, Moses has heard just about everything. And now he gets this request from women that want to inherit the land. So he did what his father-in-law suggested, and he did what a great leader does. He inquired of the Lord. And guess what the Lord said? He said, they're right. He agreed with the women. He said that he declared that what these women had asked was right, or the Hebrew word kin, which means firm, upright, dependable. Not only that, it set a precedent for the future if this were to happen again. And they went down the line. So what they secured was not only for themselves and for their own family, but for future generations. So what can we learn from this pac- passage? Number uh, First, it is important to know who we are and be confident in who God has made you to be there are no second class citizens in God's kingdom. Galatians 3, 28 says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. But as Pastor Jim alluded to a couple weeks ago, it doesn't mean we don't notice that there's differences, but we celebrate them. We respect them. We work together with them to advance God's kingdoms. We see here an example of faith, of courage and respect in these women and we can emulate that. We see here also, as with the suffrage movement, that one voice matters. Not only for yourself, but it could impact way beyond your sphere. You just don't know. But what I am saying, What I am not saying about using your voice are things like ranting on social media. It just tends to cause division and polarization and pain. What I'm talking about is using your voice with respect and humility to talk to people, to find out what people are thinking and have honest conversations, to be educated to make a difference in the sphere that you're in. Maybe being a voice on the school board, maybe being a voice in a community setting, being a voice in your home, being a voice maybe even in politics. And also using that privilege that was so, for women, was so hard fought for, using that privilege to be educated and vote. We also here catch a glimpse of God's heart for women, which was further exemplified when Jesus walked on the earth. Jesus came to show what the father was like. Jesus had women friends. He had women disciples. He healed women. He spoke to women in public, which in those days a rabbi did not do. He treated women with dignity and respect. He entrusted the greatest message of all, his resurrection from the dead, to a woman. And he told him, Now go tell the brothers. Whether we're male or we're female, we are God's image bearers. As we capture God's heart for humanity, we realize that the greatest gift that we can give somebody is the message of the gospel, the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life we should have lived and died the death we should have died in our place. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving he is the son of God and offering the gift of salvation for all who would repent and believe. Romans 10, 14 and 15 tells us, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Our voice can make a difference for someone, not just in this world, but perhaps for all eternity. What a privilege it is that God has given us a voice, and what a privilege it is to use it to expand his kingdom as male image bearers, female image bearers, that we would bring the glory of God to this earth and share the good news of the gospel. I would like to end with a word of prayer and just ask God to to come and meet us wherever we're at right now. Lord, I pray for those who have felt that their voice hasn't mattered or that their voice has been silenced. I pray you give them fresh courage today. Just reminding them through these stories, God, that one voice can make a difference. I pray for fresh courage. I pray for fresh strength. I pray that you would show them how to use their voice. I pray for those that know you, that they would uh, share the good news of the hope that they have within them with, with other people. And Lord, we thank you for the gift of eternal life through your son, Jesus, that you have saved us, that you've come to make a way for salvation because of your deep love for every human being that is on the face of this earth is so valuable to you. We love you, God. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. I encourage you. If you don't know this great Jesus who died for you that wants to give you the gift of eternal life, to please reach out. We would love to pray with you and talk to you more about this. And just know that your voice matters. Thank you.
1: Awesome word. I know you might be asking yourself, what can I do to amplify that word or act on that word? Well, you can join me and this church and all the women of this church tonight as we celebrate what God is doing to eradicate racism and injustice and even toward women. And we're going to celebrate with churches all over the city and the women of the churches all over the city. And we're going to walk together in unity and solidarity and prayer and celebration to God because he's doing what man cannot do, taking two things that are separate and uniting them together. I'll see you at Unite Nashville as we walk at 7 p.m. from the courthouse all the way to the Capitol. I can't wait to see you. It's your next step. I hope that word uh, encouraged you and, and sort of challenged all of us that- we do have a next step. There's an action uh, that needs to be taken in order to come home. And so uh, as you pray about what that looks like for you, I hope that God gives clarity and courage uh, to be able to fulfill what God's calling you to do this week. Well, uh, as we conclude, I want to let you know that if you need prayer for anything, there's a QR code that's coming up on the screen right now where uh, you can get linked up with a pastor or a ministry team member that would love to pray with you. You can just go ahead and open your phone, scan that, and it's going to take you right there. And uh, I also want to let you know that Every day I'm encouraged by our church through the social media platforms uh, that it uses to to connect with me and connect with us uh, to help us continue to grow in our faith as we go through life. So be sure to connect with us on social media and our, uh, our handles are also being displayed on the screen right now. Church, we love you. You spending time today with your spiritual family, even virtually, made a difference, not just in your life, but the lives of those around you. We love you. We can't wait to see you tonight at 7 p.m. for the Unite Nashville Prayer Walk. Thank you for joining us as together we're reaching a city to touch the world.